We are again just so grateful for your word, for this community. Just, I, I just never, ever want to take for granted what you do, what you are doing, what you have done, and what you're going to continue to do through this community of people who call Soza City Church home and would call you our God. And as we gather around your word this morning, Lord, though it will be short in Jesus' name, I thank you that it will not lack power. It will not lack potency and will not lack, again, the fervor and the purposes that you want for it to accomplish in our lives. Because again, I'm so grateful you remind us in your word that your word does not return void. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This morning, I wanted to read from Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. That's our main passage this morning. Uh, but before I get into it, I want to give you some context as to how we got here. Um, though it's right in the screen, have some practice restraint, practice discipline, don't look at the screen. So I need to give you some context of how we got here. Many of you already know the story, but where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 4 is the Israelites have left Egypt, they've wandered in the desert, and Moses has passed away through a variety of situations and circumstances that I could preach all on its own. And you know me, I could, I could spend an hour, two hours doing that. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to practice strength. But they've found themselves in, 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 the, in, in the wilderness. And God has given them a promise. God has given them this sense of expectation about what is to come. And they, he, he, again, based on a few things that Moses has done, he is not able to enter the promised land with that generation. And when we pick up the story, Moses just died. And and. What ends up happening is Joshua, who was Moses' next in line, the next person to take over and lead God's people to the promise, Joshua was found weeping. Joshua was found mourning for Moses. Much like you find when, uh, uh, who was it? David was mourning, or Samuel was mourning over Saul. And in fact, I was thinking about even this morning going, how many times do we catch ourselves mourning over what God has moved on from? In fact, in Samuel chapter 16, verse 2, uh, when Samuel is mourning over Saul after God has rejected Saul, God comes to Samuel and says, how long will you mourn over him who I have forsaken? It's time to get up, fill your horn with oil, and go anoint David, the next king. And that's what we pick up here in Joshua. Joshua is mourning over Moses, who has now passed, wondering what the future looks like. Wondering what tomorrow will bring. Wondering how this great leader who has led us out of exodus, led us out of slavery, led us out of hardship and persecution, how we are ever going to get and take hold of God's promise without this great leader. And God shows up to Joshua and says this, how long will you mourn over Moses? It's time to get up and go and take my people to the promised land. And as I was reading that passage, before we even get to where we are now, I just had the sense even for us. It's time to let go of some things. Some of you are holding on to things that God has moved on from. It's time to let go of what you have had to be able to take hold of that which God has for you. I think sometimes we lack the faith to believe that the God who came through for us for what we have now is the same God who can come through for us for what we have ahead of us. And sometimes we get comfortable and we become complacent in what we have now, not believing that it can get any better. But let me tell you something, the way our God works, anything is possible. The way our God works, anything can happen. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know. I felt this was somebody and I needed to rush through this because it's not the message. But I wanted to pause in this moment and say this, that some of you lack the faith to believe that what you see in your mind's eye for your future is, is able to be achieved and is in, your, is in your hands. But let me tell you something, it is. And it's time to let go of some things in the past to take hold of what God has for you for tomorrow because God can't put into your hands what you're still holding on to. Anyway, let's move on. But anyway, and so he gets up, he goes. And as they go to the promised land, they get to the Jordan. 
And they're faced at the Jordan, much like they were faced at the Red Sea with Moses, a tall sea. And God says to Joshua, I will part this sea. But here's, what's, here's what I want you to do. When I part this sea, you will walk through it. And as you walk through this Jordan, I want every head of every tribe of Israel, the 12 tribes, to take a stone and to, from, the, from where, the bottom of the ocean, I want you to take a stone and as you get on the other side, I want you to build a memorial. I want you to build a monument. I want you to build an altar. One stone from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He says that to Joshua. And so Joshua gives instruction to the 12 leaders of the tribes. And God, as he does, he parts the ocean. He parts the Jordan. And the people of God cross over into the promised land. And as they do, the people follow instruction. This is where we pick up the passage. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just the east of Jericho. I need that scripture, Doc. Um, I could read it from here, don't worry. And it was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Keep going. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the Red Sea when He dried it up when we had all crossed over. He did this so that all nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I want to preach very briefly and in fact I might finish this message next week because there's no chance I'm getting anywhere remotely close to finishing it. But I want to preach this weekend this morning on a message titled, I Still Remember. I Still Remember. Turn to him and say, I Still Remember. I Still Remember, Miss Valerie. I, st I will not forget. I still remember. You know, when I was reading this passage, I, your mind can't help but go through. As you read the Bible from time to time, as you read certain scriptures, it brings to remembrance other scriptures. And as I was reading this thought, I couldn't help but remind myself that this is not an unusual custom for the people of God. If you know anything about the Old Testament believers over and over again, as God encounters the people of God, as God encountered Abraham, Abraham encounters God and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah encounter God and they meet him and, he, and they get a promise from God and God shows up in power. It's at that point that Abraham begins to build an altar and say, it was here. The altar represented a place. He says, it is here that I met Yahweh, who is, we know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. And that was in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. It's true in Exodus chapter 17, verse 15, where Moses, again, I've shared a little bit about this previously, but there's a battle going on, and the people of God hold up the, the hands of Israel, his two friends, Joshua and Nun, hold up his hands as the battle is going on. And as long as his hands are raised, they win the battle. And as long as his hands go down, the people of God begin to lose the battle. So they hold up his hands, and eventually Israelites become victorious over their great enemy. And it was at that place that Moses began to build an altar. And he says, here I have encountered my God, who I now call Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And that is, again, the Lord is my victory. It's no different from Judges chapter 6, verse 24 with Gideon where Gideon has now called by God to step into all that God has for him. And Gideon is afraid and Gideon is worried about what's going to transpire because he's the smallest man in the smallest tribe, in the smallest clan in Israel, and he's been called to this great task. 
And I love that it's in that moment where God arrests Gideon and speaks to him and says, Do not be afraid, for I go with you. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And it's there that, that Gideon begins to build an altar, build this pile of stones. And he says, It is here that I met Yahweh Shalom, the God who is my peace. And it's no different from Joshua 22 to 26 and 34, where again the tribes of Reuben and Gad, they witness, um, they, they have this great uh, agreement that takes place. And I want to preach this another time. But anyway, they build an altar there and go, here, God, we have witnessed God in power. If you read scripture after scripture after scripture, you won't find any of the heroes of faith living life or going through the journey of faith without building an altar. What do altars represent? Again, it's exactly what Joshua told the Israelites to do. The altars are a place of remembrance. Altars are a place of worship. Altars are a place where we cast our minds back to the faithfulness of God, to the provision of God, to the power of God, to the grace of God, to the companionship of God, to the faithfulness of God, to the glory of God. It's places we will look back on and go, when I'm downcast on my soul, when I am worried, when I am surrounded by my enemies, I can look at that pile of stone. I can look at that altar. I can look at that monument and remind myself that it was there that I met God. And the same God who met me there is the same God who was faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And if He did it for me then, He is able to do it for me again today. And that's why I love the song that we sing. God is able. You are more than able. And we sing that not in vain. I sing that with conviction this morning. I sing that with clarity of mind today. Because I don't know about you, and I know I have a witness in the house. I have seen time and time again in my life, times when I shouldn't have made it. Times when I couldn't have got out. Times when I couldn't overcome. Times when I can't explain how God the way He did, but He moved some things around. Time stood still and He made me come out on the other side stronger and better than I could ever imagine. I could tell you story after story after story, testimony after testimony after testimony of the goodness of God. And this is why I have the faith to sing for tomorrow that anything is possible. It's why I can sing with faith for tomorrow that my God is able. Because it's not in vain. Because we the people of God don't preach and don't build our faith in vain. We build it on the faithfulness of God which we've seen time and time and time again. This is the power of building monuments. This is the power of building altars because they serve as an act of remembrance. I still remember. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not tempted to walk away from God because I still remember when He met me in my brokenness. I'm not moving to the left or to the right. My friends may abandon me. My friends may mock me for my faith, but I'm not going anywhere because I still remember the God who rescued me from my brokenness. I'm not going to go along and play along with the foolishness of this culture. I'm not going to go along and sway my beliefs and my uh, tradition and my uh, validity of the word based on cultural trends and patterns. No, because I still remember the power of the word of God saving me out of my, my own mess into his great glory. This is why I sing, I still believe. This is why I sing, anything is possible. Because I have learned across the very breath of my life, very short breath, a lot across my life, I've learned to build altars along the way where I can look at very specific moments and be able to highlight moments where I met God in power or God met me in power that give me the faith to believe that if God did it then, He can do it for me tomorrow. This is why we sing, I am able. And this is why it's important for us to be a people who choose to still remember. May we never forget the faithfulness of God.
May we never forget what God rescued us from. May we never forget where God took us from. Because let me tell you what, half the battle is lost when we forget what God has done. The Israelites forgot what God rescued them from in, in Egypt. If we know the story, many of them crying about, well, were there no graves in Egypt that you had to take us out of Egypt to have us die in the wilderness? Well, did you forget what God saved you from? Did you forget what life was like in Egypt? Did you forget the conditions you lived in? Did you forget how many times you cried out to God to rescue you? Did you forget how many times you were at the very edge of death and God spared you? Did you forget the amount of times you were beaten? Did you forget the amount of times that you did not have anything on the table to eat and God heard your cry? and God saved you and God rescued you and here you are only 10 days later having already forgotten what God has done half the time it's not a matter of faith it's a matter it's a matter of remembering and this is why it is important for us to be a people who know how to build altars so what does this mean for us in today's context very natural because we can't sit around walking everywhere and going oh God met me in the market ballroom I'm gonna tell Chris and get me some stones and build me an altar right here that's impractical you can't be at work and God comes through for you with a promotion you've been praying for or a breakthrough and you go hold on a second I'm gonna get some stones and build an altar here we can't do that so what does it mean for us today to build altars because altars will cause you to be a person who continues to remember how God is good and how God has never left you well today we don't have to build altars made of brick and mortar. We don't have to build altars made of stone. For us today, our very lives become the altar. It is an act of worship. For us to build altars today is to worship. It is to continue to put, our, to put His praise on our lips. And what does that actually look like? I, I love this, this passage in Psalm 103. It says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Why? So that I may never forget. I'm going to say it again. Why? That I may never forget. I praise because He is good. I praise because He is my Lord. I praise because His name is holy. I praise Him because He has done good things for me. But I praise also so that I may never forget the good things God does for me. The minute you stop praising, the minute you stop making your life an act of praise, an act of worship unto God, that is a continual reminder of what God has done and what God is going to continue to do through you, it is the beginning of decay of your faith because this is what happens we become like the Israelites when we stop praising God because when we stop praising God we stop bringing to remembrance the good things God has done for me it is the quickest way I can tell when somebody has forgotten what God has done for them it is their worship because our worship and I've said this many times our worship is a direct reflection of what we believe God has done for us our worship is a direct reflection of our revelation of just how powerful the work of God He has done in me truly is. And this is why my encouragement to you is that if we're going to be a generation of people who build altars of our, on our lives as an act of remembrance that we may never forget, may we learn how to praise the Lord. I praise that I may never forget the good things because He forgives all my sins and He heals my diseases and He redeems me from death and He crowns me with love and tender mercies and He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to say that again because I think this church is not listening to what I'm saying. The God that we serve, He forgave all of your sins and He has healed all your diseases. There are people in this room who have carried diseases and the God that we serve has healed you and you have seen people gone. He redeems you from death and He crowns you with love. You did nothing to deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. You didn't work for it. There was nothing you could do to gain it. But God, out of His great love and His tender mercy, He redeems your life from death and hell. He fills your life with good things. 
and your youth is renewed like the eagles. I tell you something, church, if God did nothing else for me for the rest of my days, I have enough reason to wake up every day and build a daily altar in my bedroom, to build a daily altar in my workplace, to build a daily altar as I raise my children of the goodness and the faithfulness of God because He has saved me and He has healed me and He has redeemed me and He fills my life with good things. Is anybody grateful this morning for a God who does that for us? My Lord, my Lord. And let me tell you something, when you get in the habit of praising God, you will get in the habit of remaining the kind of people who still remember. I still remember. Why? Because it was just this morning where I woke up and I took a second to cast my mind back to all the good things God has done. And I could not help but continue to praise Him. I am still full of faith today. Though life does not quite look the way I imagined it would. Though there are things in my life I thought would be further along than they are. Though there are things in my life that are still a mess. Though there are things in my life I'm still believing for and still holding on for and praying for. And they don't seem any closer than they were yesterday. I can still stand here with faith. I can still stand here with conviction. I can still stand here with great hope and expectation. Because I still remember that my God is all powerful and all glorious. And if he did it then, he can do it again. This is the power of building altars. When you're walking through a tough season, remind yourself of when God met you. And, you know, I love this passage as well in, in uh, Psalm 34, verse 1 to 8. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises and I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. Because when I prayed to the Lord, He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Because in my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a God. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in Him. I will praise Him at all times. And I will constantly speak of His praises. And I will boast only the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness together. Why is this the message I wanted to preach this morning? I've skipped through about 90% of my notes, but I just want to get to the point because I want to keep you too long. Why did I want to preach this this morning? Because in Judges chapter 2, only a few years after God has come through for the people of God, there is a passage I heard that every time I read it, it makes me shake and it makes me tremble and it breaks my heart. It says this, when Joshua died, a generation of people grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for them. Think on that for a moment. And as I was thinking about dedicating our children this morning, I thought, I have a responsibility, yes, to love them, to lead them, to protect them, to guard them, to set them up, to train them up in the way they should go, that they might not depart from it. But one of my greatest responsibilities is to show them and to tell them what the Lord has done. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. If your kids don't see you worship, if your friends don't see you worship, 
And if the people in your life don't hear of the testimony of what God has done in your life, then I fear it won't be long before we grow up in a time where people neither know the Lord nor what He has done. And that's why I want to preach this message this morning. It is for the preservation of your faith to worship because it will always keep at the front of mind just how good and great God has been to you. But also that our children and our children's children and those in our lives who we've been praying for, many of you, I know because you've told me, have been praying for years for people in your life to come to the Lord. But it's your testimony and it's your worship and it's your witness of the greatness of God. That will always make sure that somebody knows who he is and what he has done. I made a commitment in my household. I will worship every day. What we do up here is not just reserved for Sunday. We do this in my house. Some mornings we'll wake up and we have a son or son will be busting the worship loud and the kids will hear me sing. And then many a morning, I'm on my knees up early, on my knees in the living room. And I could do it in my bedroom, but I purposely do it in the living room because as my kids wake up, the first place they go, they walk out the bedroom and come to the living room. And I love that my kids see me on my knees. What am I doing? I'm making sure not on my watch will ever anybody in my world not know who the God is and what He has done for us. I am building altars daily so that I may tell of the goodness and the glory of God. Do I have a witness to a God like that in Jesus' name? I've given you a, I've given you a quick, quick sermon, quick crash course. But I pray that the message, the idea at least, does not lost on you. That we would commit to spending our days every day make room we can make time for concerts we can make time for sporting events we can make time for dates with our spouse which is important we can make time for the things we want to do but may i encourage you make time to build altars of praise every day that you might be of the company of believers who still remember in jesus name amen amen let me pray for you before we wrap up the service Lord, I'm so grateful. That every one of us in this room, whether we are aware of it or not, whether we do it or not, we have a reason to praise. Because you have been good to us. But I also love, Lord, that every one of us in this room have just cause to believe good things for our tomorrow. We can all believe that all things are possible. We can all believe that you are able.